Well, everyone, welcome back to the Spiritual Nomad Podcast. I have Brian Meeks with me here at the Moonlight Meditations, uh, I don't know, worldwide headquarters, <laughs> I think. So I re- met Ryan here in 2020. We were coming to a meditation group with our uh, friend, assuming your friend as well, Daniel Tyak, <laughs> who started this meditation group. And uh, really just invited people into group meditation, dropping into place together and uh, just witnessing the eternal moment. And Ryan, uh, I saw you here and we never really got a chance to talk while here. Mm -hmm. It was one of those things where I think like I met you through Instagram world by both following the uh, Moonlight Meditations Instagram that emerged. And then I was like, wait a second, like this guy has a lot of church history. (laughs) <laughs> busted and, <laughs> and whenever i first saw you I, I was like you felt like a little highlighted to me in a particular way but and i think again like it's just like like knows like in some way and it was like <laughs> on sub subconscious level i'm like this guy knows ministry too oh it's pastor's kid uh radar that's what you must have had right there that, are you pastor's kid too <laughs> yeah, yeah you are yeah okay so it was definitely the the pastor kid yeah you know, so uh, thing going off. And so <laughs> anyways, just started following you on Instagram and seeing how you've been integrating different things into your life mm-hmm. and um, learned through your website and through Googling a little bit about <laughs> your history within church yeah. and uh, being a part of the evangelical church and mm-hmm. taking some risks as far as being vocal about some controversial things within Orthodox Christianity. Yeah, at least evangelicals. Right. And uh, as we were just talking, as we were getting set up, setting up, it's like uh, they're a, a unique code to crack, if you will. And um, so thanks for spending some time with me this morning and just sharing about uh, your story. I have some questions for you. Yeah, great, that man. Well, happy to, happy to answer them, I think. Yeah, <laughs> or at least just have a conversation that is uh, hopefully <laughs> mind-opening for, for others. Yeah, um, great. Whenever I started this podcast, like I said, there's been... It was through that time of deconstruction, but then like, I like to call it more of like a faith evolution, spiritual evolution at this point. Sure. And, uh, so a lot of the people that tune into this podcast and stuff still have a, either maybe a foot in that world or have come from the Christian world and are moving into more expansive places within their, their faith expression. And so I think that you really embody that and, um, happy to have a conversation about your evolution from mega church pastor in Seattle okay. to chilling with me in Encinitas. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> okay, so you're a pastor's kid. You grew up in the church. What? Mm-hmm. And you said Foursquare, right? Yeah, my dad was so Foursquare. So I'm not pastor. sure with Foursquare. Like, how charismatic are we talking when we're talking Foursquare? Well, Foursquare as a denomination is pretty charismatic. Um, the Foursquare church I grew up in was a little bit. It was one of the early mega churches. And one of the early mega churches, for sure, in the Foursquare um, denomination, and so it was a little bit more like what you go to call in the day seeker friendly yeah. for a Pentecostal church. So things were more explained and you know laid out for the for a visitor. But for sure, I mean, tongues was a thing. Okay. Um, but it wasn't chaos tongues, you know. Now we're splitting some serious yeah. hairs here. <laughs> 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 but that is the truth. I mean, you know the world. So, yeah, dude. Um, but I grew up in it was a church that, like, they wore suits, you know. Okay. So it was still pretty, 
pretty churchy, man. It was yeah. pretty foundational, uh, sort of conservative viewpoint. But you had like it's very hippie influence. Okay. Um, I mean, that's my dad's whole whole background. Um, like Jesus people stuff. Yeah, and just like um, long hair and the whole like the music was very. That was probably one of the more definitive parts of the church I grew up in. It was like great music and electric guitars, if you can believe that, right? yeah. you know, um, drums and all that stuff. So it was, uh, you know, revolutionary for the time, for the late 70s, early 80s. Yeah. That was like the era that, you know, all of that began to be popular. Yeah. The church growth movement and stuff like that. Yeah. And it's like, okay, like we can play rock music and have donuts and our church will explode, yeah. you know? Totally. Like, it's so gnarly yeah. to think about And today. to be fair to them, they were like really doing a good job loving people in difficult situations who totally. are kind of like their lives were wrecked. They were coming out of prison, that kind of stuff. And that's one of the things I always have and continue to appreciate about my parents is that they're engaged in working to be a beneficial presence yeah. you know, in the world. So they do that through a particular lens. And of course, in the back pocket is hopefully you meet Jesus and join the team, right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which is its own other thing. But I love them for the fact that like, they're doing stuff, you know. Yeah. I know a lot of people who are like, "I'm not religious." They all, they also are not contributing in any way to right. the global situation. Right. So, you know, I I have a deep respect for the church I grew up in in those ways, yeah. and then the ways my parents live it out now. <laughs> Emergency. This is the beauty of recording outside. That's right. If anybody would like to contribute to the worldwide spiritual nomad <laughs> headquarters <laughs> office, yeah. I'm open to large <laughs> donations with my uh, nonprofit tax deductible status. Yeah, but the weather, you can't beat the weather. That's here. true. That's yeah. true. So, and I think you're right about that. Like whenever I see my dad and him, he was a church planter. I was born in Miami. They started a church there. And then we moved to the Midwest, okay. started another church where he still is. When I look back, it was still all about making sure that everyone had a place to belong in church because I don't think like I've ever, I'm, I'm 32. So like there's never been a time in my life where church was like exclusive to people like until now again ironically huh. but like i feel like back in that like 70s time people didn't have a place mm. and i do commend people like my dad or the seeker friendly movement that's like you know let's just open this up for if people don't have the inside baseball language that they don't feel like fish out of water you know and yeah. so i appreciate that you know and um for honoring sure. your history is a totally like a good thing that I've had to learn through my deconstruction. Oh, time for sure. As well, so, you know? And if you don't, don't do psychedelics because that'll ram it up your ass. Like right. this is your past. This is part of who you are and you're going to confront it and deal with it and integrate it or you're going to get stuck in suffering. So. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Dude. Better be able to deal with that. So w your dad started the church, right? Yeah, no, he was a part of a planting team that oh, left okay. from a large, uh, a mega church in the seventies, in Eugene, Oregon, came up, and then two ch churches merged okay. in the Seattle area, and the lead pastor's name was Doug Mirren, and my dad was the associate for uh, 17 years, I think. Okay. And it grew to be, you know, one of the early mega churches in the Seattle area. And that was Eastlake, right? That was called Eastside Foursquare Church. Okay. And then, yeah, the church that I started was a similar name to the one my dad ended up taking down here, Eastlake, and I moved to Washington and started Eastlake because we were east of Lake Washington Okay. When, we, when I moved to Washington in 2004. And then so you planted out of your dad's church. I did, yep. Okay, so that's similar to what I was 
trying really? to do <laughs> five six years ago See, you know that's where that's how that's where the resonance was that's where it is some dude. sort of so archetype we're both living out yeah i see me <laughs> yes yeah dude so when you went to seattle to start the church then uh-huh. uh that you said that was 2004 uh-huh, that's when we moved we launched the church okay. in 2005 and then what was that like i guess just in in some sort of uh brief or not so brief way yeah. uh what was that 10 year period of time because wasn't it about 10 years before things started to come out and and you guys entered into a little yeah. bit more i guess turmoil I, yeah i guess you yeah could say. yeah a little hardcore evolution at least yeah. um i mean the 10 years was it was explosive rapid growth yeah and that there was a lot of reasons for that you know it was the right time there was nothing like what we were offering in the area everything was like oriented toward boomers yeah. You know, that was remotely interesting. And um, and we were a unique offering. Mars Hill was going at the yeah. time in Seattle, Mark Driscoll. And we were kind of the opposite of that. Yeah. Like they were like, we have the Bible correct. And we were like, we have a Bible yeah. <laughs> if we can find it. Yeah. But we want to love people. And we're like, we're all a bunch of fuck ups. And, you know, and I was always I was always honest from the beginning. Like, hey, I don't have certainty on any of this stuff. Like, I don't know if Jesus rose from the dead. I was born in 1978. How the fuck could I know that? Yeah, yeah. Um, But I do know that I can't be the best version of myself on my own. I need a a path and a practice. And for me, at this point in my life, you know, this is what I would say from the stage. um, This the path of. Jesus makes sense to me, you know, forgiveness makes sense to me. Yeah. Um, so compassion and mercy and generosity and all of these things, the Beatitudes, this makes sense to me. Yeah. And besides that, you know, I was really open handed. And so there was like this sort of, um, like culturally liberal, theologically loose, um, seeker friendly, big, fast growing young church. And so that just like, I mean, there was gas on that, man. Yeah. (laughs) We just go. And, um, we had a lot of fun. And, um, we were pretty irreverent and there's lots of people who aren't interested in church as usual. So it was an easy, easy grab. The problem with that though, is anytime you have a church that grows really fast, all of a sudden the, there's a certain group of Christians in the area who are always looking for the hot thing to, to hang out with their friends and be cool at. Right. And so as soon as you get, you really grow fast with people who aren't interested in church, a bunch of church people come. And so for the second half of that 10 years you're mentioning, yeah. I spent most of my time fighting for our culture, Mm. like trying to protect the DNA and the culture of our church because Christians try to change everything. Yes. They come in and they want to lead all the groups and they want to make sure, you know, nobody's living together and all of the whatever ridiculous sort of moralizing um, sacred cows that they bring from their last church in because they're like, well, this is more fun and I like the people here and it's great. But, and here's the five things you need to do that my last church did. So yeah. <laughs> it just, t- it cost me like so much energy. Mm. Um, and of course, almost every weekend I had somebody from Marsville visiting to, to go through my sermon top to bottom at the end with their Bible telling me I'm doing it wrong. So that was like another five years of, as soon wow. as we were big enough that anyone gave a shit, um, that's when it was like, it was just nonstop arguing with people. Yeah. And unfortunately back then I was so Christian that I, I was desperate to like prove that, Hey, we're legitimately following Jesus here. Yeah. And I feel bad for the old me who could have just lost those battles immediately. <laughs> yeah. Know? But there was something in me that wanted to be like, Hey, I'm, I'm on the same team as you. I see things differently. And unfortunately I wasted a lot of energy trying to yeah. prove to people who weren't going to hear it, that I was Christian enough for them. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, at least like the, 
bystanders, if you will, around witnessed that in some way. And, yeah. you know, like yeah. almost that, I almost think about that even solidifying your culture even more of your optimism of wanting to create bridges with people and not yeah. wanting to create barriers and argue yeah. over points. And I feel well, like you still I, carry that, right? I mean, uh, I think so. Maybe I try, but yeah. I also, I was, I, I don't want to paint a picture that I was like Gandhi or anything. Like I would be really pretty dismissive of that what I would consider the Pharisee attitude that I felt like we dealt with a lot, which is like, I can't believe you guys host, you know, keg parties and give away all the money, which we did those things. Yeah. Um, and I would just be like, you know, I didn't have a lot of patience for it. And and I was young, you know, I started the church when I was 25. And so there's a lot of times when I just tell people to fuck off, like even back then. Yeah. (laughs) So there was some immaturity there for sure. Um, although I, I mean, yeah, I don't know. Dude, I can I ask you, now. like, what that was like being in the same city of Mars Hill a little bit, you know? Sure, yeah. Have you listened to the Rise and Fall Mars Hill no, podcast? No. I, I know I, that that is probably too close to home yeah, for you well, in some ways. Yeah, we can talk about later how that impacted us big time. Really? Yeah, it's an interesting point. But I'll answer that question first just in that, um, I mean, the main thing was, just knowing that there was like this awareness that we are the soft sell of the gospel version. Um, and that Mars Hill, they're doing it right. You know? So there's constant, like you're get the people who go to East Lake are getting judged by their friends who go to Mars Hill. And then I'm getting my sermons torn, you know, apart, whatever. There's blogs about how unbiblical we are about the particular eschatological (laughs) theological, (laughs) you know, the hair splitting theology that eventually they, ate each other alive about you know and no one was safe from their own thing right um so that was you know had its own challenge but it wasn't that big a deal it was like look they're doing that we're not doing that yeah and uh in some ways that helps like you know like if that's what you want fucking go over there it's right right there they have plenty of campuses like hit the road (laughs) why are you here trying to change this you know that might tell you something like something you like this yeah ask yourself why you know, yeah. What's yeah. the vi- there's a vibe difference, you know, and I'm not right. saying that was wrong and we're right. I'm just saying, like, don't come into the Italian restaurant and tell them how to make a burrito. It's right. Like, fucking. Yeah. Come on, dude. Look at the sign. Yeah. This is what we're doing. <laughs> so it could be irritating. Google Foursquare or yeah. something. Jesus. So I think it was both irritating at times and really helpful. Actually, yeah. it was okay. really helpful because there was an option. Yeah, you know? yeah. I can. I feel for church planners who go into a town where there's nothing else besides some like dead empty ancient churches yeah and they're gonna get everybody and it's yeah. like i think you know when it comes to positioning and just marketing in general if you're running a business of any kind um if you're getting everybody it can be kind of a pain right yeah so it was just great to be able to siphon people off like oh you're looking for that go to city church you're looking for that go to mars hill you know yeah dang i forgot about city church up there too and yeah judah judah smith wow yeah Dude, you were in in the the hotbed for all of this. Yeah, I remember and one, contributing to it, right? I remember I mean, one time early on, there was a lady who was like, I, "We had just moved up from San Diego," and she was like, "You're planning a church in city church territory," <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "I guess so." And she's like, "Well, good luck." You know, it's kind of like they own this town or whatever. Got turf, but, man. Yeah. So there's there's definitely like, and I, I never got that vibe from Judah. Judah was always really kind and. You know, yeah. we obviously see things differently, but, but I really liked the guy, frankly, yeah. super kind. And we had a, we hung out, watched Seahawks together and yeah, you know, good deals. But Mark, Mark was a little different. <laughs> Did I mean, you Mark, ever have any like, Oh yeah. Headbutts sure. with him? 
I mean, he called me to confront me when we were in Time Magazine for our affirmation of the LGBT community. Really? And <laughs> that was weird because he was like already fired by Mars Hill at that point. And I'm like, you're calling me to, you know, like. Right. But yeah, he tried to get me to repent and all that. And, you know, I just kept telling him like, Mark, I appreciate, I know you're coming from a good place and. But I mean, uh, we just don't see the same universe. Yeah, yeah. So, but dude, that would be an interesting conversation. Yeah. A- like again, I never felt like Mark was an ass to me, and I've heard lots of stories about him being an ass, and I don't know which ones are true and whatever. But yeah, to me, he was always kind, and even in that phone call, he was kind. But he just couldn't. He couldn't hear right what I was saying. Like it was inconceivable that I could be in a different place and I either had missed information that he could offer me, yeah. you know, um, or I wasn't hearing correctly or something, but I was like, no, no I hear you. And yeah. I am in a different, I disagree. Yeah. Um, and so I think that was kind of hard for him to hear, but, but I never had any personal, you know, is- interpersonal issues at yeah. all. Um, but the interesting part about, I don't know if you want to talk about this now, but the, yeah. when we were like, as soon as we went public with our, um, you know, our policy or whatever shift or my open, what I call the apology. Like I'd never spoken down about like, Oh, gay people are going to hell or anything. I just avoided the topic altogether. Totally. And then eventually I realized I got to say something because people assume. Yeah. And, and I had a staff member come out to me mm-hmm. and she was like crying. Oh, I think it's my last day, obviously. And I'm like, Oh shit. You think I would fire you? I have to say something publicly. Wow. So once that all came out, you know, this chaos evangelicals, this is like, the Holy Grail. It's like the one thing you right. can't say. What year was this about? 2000. This is before the Supreme Court ruling. Okay. Um, so 2015, right before. Um, so wh- the thing, point I'm getting to is the interesting thing is Mars Hill had just burned to the ground in the end of 2014. Yeah. So there were, it had been like this at least a year of the, the judgment jackals just chewing Mars Hill to pieces. And that was over. And in January 2015, boom, we come out with this statement. Mm-hmm. And so it was like, it was an, I, w- I wonder how differently it would have gone had that timing not connected. Right. But as soon as that happened, it was like all the energy that had nowhere left to go with Marcel because it was over. Just was like, yeah. <laughs> the blood in the chompers was like, get them, you know? Yeah. So uh, <laughs> that was a really interesting and difficult time. I laugh about it now because I've done a lot of therapy, but yeah. um, it was hard and uh and beautiful and um but the truth is i had been leading the church away from evangelical theology since early 2013 when i finally decided decided to start telling the truth i mean my my evangelical christianity had been dying since 2009 slowly you know by paper cuts um what was the start of that we got big enough. I could ha- I had a staff, you know, and it was like, instead of just, I mean, I had years of just preaching my dad's sermons and, you know, Rick Warren gave me every sermon he'd ever preached on a flash drive. He's like, preach this stuff. And dude, we are cut from the same. <laughs> yeah. Cloth, yeah. It's just like, so I can, funny. I can tell better jokes, you know, I can make this sermon better, you know, yes. but I was so busy, like getting school buses together and set up tear down all that stuff that, you know, I didn't have time to think, but once I had a staff, I didn't need to grab Rick Warren's stuff anymore. And I didn't, and I was like, what do I want to say? Yeah. You know, and I had to go into my own and I realized, Ooh, I'm full of doubt. Mm. I'm full of uncertainty. I'm full of like tension around. I think we're wrong about the LGBT issue. And so for years 
I thought I was going through my dark night of the soul, so I was like keeping it quiet. This is gonna be great testimony, man. Yeah. I'm gonna be like, <laughs> I really held strong, <laughs> and it got worse and worse. And what made it worse is I read the Bible twice all the way through in one year. And the first time I was like, "Fuck, it's not what I thought it was." Yeah. And then, and then the second time I'm like thinking, "Oh, this will help." And it was like that made it way worse. And <laughs> and so it was just like. And then I started reading everybody I wasn't supposed to. You know, it starts with Brian McLaren and Rob Bell, and then you're reading Ken Wilber and yep. and uh, uh, Tolkien Ribbache and and whatever. You right, know, right. just like I'm out now. And um, and uh, you know, I had four kids and uh, a wife and and uh, I was a mega church pastor and I had a lot of power and privilege and and I knew that oh shit I'm becoming an atheist and uh, I'm gonna lose everything mm-hmm. maybe even my kids and my wife and my friends and my so you know some of the critique was like oh he's soft selling the gospel to grow his church I'm like are you fucking kidding right. me I know exactly what's gonna happen when I'm open about this I'm gonna lose everything like this isn't People who are not going to church aren't like, oh, my God, you think gay people are okay? I can't wait to come to church. Exactly. They don't give a shit. Exactly. So, uh, you know, it was, I was, I kept it private. Yeah. Until I realized that, because I had gone back to, I'm just going to preach other people's sermons until I can say something true. Yeah. Because I'm like, I don't have anything to say that's evangelical. So I just went back. It was like rehashing old shit you know and because i thought it was the right thing to do i'm like i gotta you know i'm going through my own crisis i don't need to voice this on everybody else and then i just got too much you know i was split on the inside and i started saying hey we gotta look at this bible what it is like god commands genocide in this thing and that's dangerous so we need to know this isn't god the words of god right and as soon as we do that we become capable of some incredible violence you know yeah like voltaire's line you know those who can get you to believe absurdities can get you to commit atrocities yeah yeah so i started going through the old testament like this is bullshit this isn't true you know this is there's no way that a god of love is saying you know kill all these people and so people started leaving long before the lgbt thing it was just the watershed like the dam broke kind of moment right that gets a little bit more airplay but what the truth is you know, people had been sniffing out what I was headed towards for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. At that point then like, cause, and it's interesting to go back cause there's always, you said like the paper cut start, right? Oh yeah. There's always something <laughs> that yeah. gets in there and then you're like, and you're like, yeah, I'm on a slippery slope, you oh, know, yeah. but oh, it's yeah. like slippery slopes are so much fucking fun. You know, yeah. nobody goes to big bear and not have a slippery slope, right? Like, For sure. I've always said, if I write a book, you know, it's, I'm going to at least have a chapter, my fantastic ride down the slippery slope. I yes. Mean. And you know, it's important to say, I'll probably include this too, that when people talk about that, I'm always thinking, let's think about that position. Like if, Everything you could do is a is a descent down a slippery slope. The position is precarious, inherently. Yeah, yeah. You know, you you must be on this like just narrow line, right? That you can't so much as read a Brian McLaren book, or you're you know you're off the edge, right? It's it's not a very good position. It's not strong. It's not yes. a stable position. And uh, and that was certainly true. I mean, as soon as I started asking questions, it was just like the whole house of cards comes down because evangelicalism is a house of cards. It's, first of all, it's a really young, immature version of Christianity that just is very American. Right. <laughs> and uh, you have to take it all kit and caboodle, you yeah. know? So if you take out, you know, inerrant, inerrancy, the whole thing comes down. You can't pick 
anything out of the structure or the whole thing comes down. And yes, so that's, that's a problem. The Episcopals, let's say don't have to deal with. Right. right? So there are other versions of, you know, the world of Christianity. They don't have to deal with that. But evangelicalism is, you know, kind of a powder keg when it comes to asking questions. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, the, the house of cards, they like, things come unraveled so quickly mm-hmm. uh, within evangelicalism. And what I think is interesting is like whenever people start on that road, it's like, to me, I, I, I've seen my deconstruction or the slippery slope is more of like the whole time that has been the divine inviting me oh, out yeah. of these very rigid understandings of what it means to engage the infinite. Yeah, for sure. I don't, I, I no longer think I was deconstructing anything. I, the what really was happening was my faith expanded i didn't lose yeah. it. i thought i was losing my faith of course it felt like that right because that's all i knew um but what was happening was my faith was just exploding beyond the demarcation lines of my own tradition yeah and so it didn't fit into that small container anymore and so that's not a loss it's an expansion for and sure you talked about like basically on the verge of atheism right and there's this yeah like- i full-on like yeah, I got cancer in 2017 and that was kind of like the final, like I watched just how, who really showed up in my life. And I was just like, <laughs> it was just the biggest, like, oh my God, like, <laughs> it was my friends from high school, you know, who were like really, really showing up for me, you know, them and like my <laughs> staff who had stuck with me. Yeah. Um, so yeah, if I, by the time I had cancer, I was just like, I don't have any reason to believe that somebody's in control and you know, any of this stuff is all, all, my theism died and I, I would say today I don't feel like I'm a theist yeah, yeah. Um, but psychedelics blew my materialism apart for sure yeah and that's I thought I'd land okay I exited Christianity I came to peace with hey this is all we got and it's okay for me like an optimistic atheism like I'm not a theist but what a beautiful opportunity to live you know and right. we should do our best with it and then, and then I did high dose mushrooms and ayahuasca and LSD and five MEO DMT and <laughs> and I mean it's just it took me so much further into unknowing like yes. it shattered my knowing that this is all there is like I don't know that anymore right, right. Um, I know very little yeah so so I, I'm I want to talk a little bit about that sure. transition into yeah. you know uh, the next chapter of your life if mm-hmm. you will so like what I Again, what I think is peculiar about that is it seems to be at least some level of recurring theme, at least in my life, where it's like you go down this slippery slope, you people think that you're like selling out to like get people to pay attention to you. And like it's like (laughs) you don't understand, man. I was at a fire with a couple of people who are still involved in church and they were talking about another church in the area like, oh, yeah, like they're they're starting to preach universalism now to let grow their church. And I'm like, time out, dog. Nobody preaches universalism to grow their church. No way. You preach hell to grow your church. Yeah. You preach the Bible is the only authority to grow your church. For sure. People want certainty, clarity, a definitive leader that's courageous in things that are, quote, countercultural, which is totally. like a very cultural Christianity. Which well, that's what cults you know? do. They spin yeah. the narrative so that it's always true. For instance, yeah. when we were um, growing early on as a church, it's because we're... Uh, you know, God's blessing until they hear I'm teaching something they don't agree with. Now we're right. growing. We're still growing, but it's because uh, we sold out. It's yeah, like yeah. you can't have it both ways, right? And if they're growing, it's because they're God's word. But if they shrink, it's because they're preaching God's word and people don't want to hear. Right. You, know, you can't just keep shifting the goalposts here, you know? Exactly. <laughs> and that's what happened. Yeah. It's like 
whenever it, it gets to a point then that you at least uh, not you me i guess in the third person yeah. you begin to lose hope on all of it and it's like not only does my community not really support me anymore and they think that i've kind of went off the deep end i think i believe them that i've kind of been off the deep end but then there at least for me like there became a point of like just a loss of all complete hope and a loss of any sort of you know uh coherent structure to the universe at all it's like this is just some weird phenomenon and i'm fucked and this is you know i've been sold some weird funky lie to manipulate me and yeah and it's like this like real like dark night of the soul of like a death of everything that you've known to be true and, and but it's yeah go yeah ahead. well i i just want to point out that it's the structure that's failing us at that point and mm. it was set up to do that because we're it, so far like a lot of this stuff is we're just talking about disembodied concepts that we're either asserting or disagreeing with universalism or not universalism yeah, yeah, or whatever. Yeah. And it's like, and what is the central piece of it? They're preaching this to a group of silent listeners, you know? So as soon as it's just like a bunch of propositional truth claims that you either affirm or preach against, yeah. um, then it's like whatever the one person is saying, we're either all in with or we're not. And of course, you know, look around today, it's 2022 and the polarization of our country is basically the same thing. Right. So it's just like, what are the talking points of our group? And mm. we've missed out on like, is this even a tool for human transformation or not? Right. And when it becomes all about the theological hot buttons and parsing out, you know, propositional truth claims, then then we're eventually going to just reach a point of individuation, which is healthy psychological development, where you realize everything I believe is just an agreement about right. someone else's ideas. Yeah. So you didn't lose your faith. You never fucking had a faith. Right. You lost right. your dad's faith or you lost your tradition's faith. Yes. And now you're embarking on your first ever journey toward faith. Yes. So yes. it's the it's way we think about death. it. Yeah. It's a perceived hopelessness yeah. or, or at the end yeah and it's really like with all things right the death then leads to a rebirth in some yeah, some way yeah. you know uh, and it's the cycle of of, of nature of the universe you mm -hmm. know and, and you realize that oh all of this the death is only the fertilization for the growth of something new for sure and it's making space yeah it's it's creating space it's it's like i wouldn't have like my psychedelic experiences wouldn't have been as potent as they were if i had not been through those deep experiences and sure. open to the evolution of what those could mean to help create yeah. some level of narrative. Because your ego needs forward. to take a few beatings before you can lose it. Yes. Uh, and I, I don't mean that in some Encinitas, like you can actually transcend your ego bullshit way. Yeah, yeah. I mean that in order to have an experience of egolessness in a high dose psychedelic journey, yeah. You're gonna have to have taken a few hits pretty hard. Like if yeah. your ego's just solid as a rock still, um, it might not be as impactful if you take high dose psychedelics. In fact, it could be really traumatizing and physically painful. Yeah, <laughs> you know, absolutely. Because it's like I'm I'm actually dying, and and you know you'll use all of your resources to push the experience away. I mean, I've seen people take some pretty like hefty doses and be able to keep it down, even though they're just shaking like shit, and they're like, I don't yeah. feel anything. I'm like, you. Right. I can see you feel a lot, you know what I mean? But yeah. ego is amazing. What a gift it is to help us cope with things we can't handle. So yeah. all, all that just to say, um, you're right. And it's essential 
that yeah. we go through those kinds of pummelings. Yes. So that the meat's a little tenderized That's before right. we go into high dose psychedelic work. That's right. Yeah. Or, or even any sort of like meditation deeper states. Like yeah. Any holotropic state of consciousness. Yes. Psychedelics is just a one one path. Yeah. Yeah. So I'd love to to begin to talk about that shift out of your your role there mm-hmm. through that and into the the world of psychedelics and and sure. what you do with integration and and things now. Sure. Um. So, I mean, I did 17, 16, 17, something like that years pastoring. Yeah. Um, it's, that's a lot of people like I'm doing pastoral counseling for and, you know, so I'm used to curating experiences like the Sunday experience of dropping people into their hearts, yeah. you know, and feeling whatever God means. Right. I, I had a definition back then, but it's more helpful to be like helping people get in touch with the God of their own understanding. Yeah. Um, and then walking people through spiritual crises and yeah. difficulties. So that's the, the b- bedrock of what I do now. It just happens to not be attached to any dogma. Right. That's <laughs> that I need to defend or explain. It's like, look, you don't have to believe anything. Yeah. We're going to go into a deep experience of something and then, um, helping people work with the symbols in their life, whether that's dream work or, or, um, you know, a visionary experience like psychedelics is the work of, um, at least in the Catholic tradition, it's called spiritual direction. Yeah. And, um, sort of, I guess, leveraging all of that experience into this. And, and I spent some time at the Chaplaincy Institute in Berkeley. Oh, cool. Um, and John Mabry, who is a teacher there, frankly, taught me most through his writings. I mean, his books have been incredible. So, and he's a spiritual director of, incredible caliber. Um, and so just sort of weaving, you know, my, frankly, my pastoral, uh, background, pastoral counseling, the training I got there and then, um, spiritual direction and then my own experience of like going through this sort of, uh, you know, again, to use Christian language, the dark night of the soul, because that's what these experiences are. I mean, psychedelics is the last thing if you want to avoid the stuff in your life, yeah. do not take high dose psychedelics. So, <laughs> so but if true. you're walking willingly into the cave, you know, Yoda tells Luke to head in there. You only bring who you are. Um, then that's the work of, uh, spiritual direction. And yeah. Um, How are you first even open to psych? Like, were you open for a long I'd time? I'd taken mushrooms taboo, in high school right? and smoked weed and, and you yeah. know, and I was smoking. I thank God for weed. I smoked tons of weed between like 2015 and 2018 just to deal with the pressure and shit of my life at yeah. that point just the non-stop arguing i'm mean, getting yelled at at gas stations and stuff really yeah yeah Dude. Um, de- even death threats i got international death threats over this thing because it was in time magazine so it went way bigger than our little area yeah, yeah yeah um so just a lot of stress now i look back and i'm like why was that scary uh, besides the death threats but because it's you know from this point I'm out of it. So there's, n- I'm not feeling the loss, but back then I was just, it's hard to remember what it felt like to be in that consciousness. Yeah. Um, but frankly it was the pain. Like yeah. I needed healing and my, the resources that I had, which come from the Christian tradition primarily were not working. Yeah. So I, it was out of desperation to heal, to know I was hurting. Mm. Um, I was full of pain and betrayal and anger mm. and I didn't want to become an angry, bitter person. So 
I tried a couple things. I, for the first time in my life, I went to like energy healings. I went to a, a medium who like, I won't even go into the whole story, but I blew my mind. Really? Like I had a significant healing boom in one afternoon and have never dealt with that since it was regarding a painful betrayal of a childhood friend. And it was just like, wow. it's been over since that moment. And then I was like, as soon as that happened, cause he was like, supposedly in my old framework, that's like devil worship shit. You know? Right. Oh, totally. And as soon as that happened, I was like, okay, these, there's a universe of healing modalities that I'm unfamiliar with. Yeah. And, and it's time. Like I'm going to go out and find them all. And so psychedelics just happened to be one of those. And my, my own mentor and, and therapist, uh, and, um, another ex pastor, Bruce Sanguin is he's, a, he was a evolutionary Christian mysticism writer for a long time. Really? Um, U- United church of Canada minister. One of the, I mean, I respect him more than most people on earth. And, mm. uh, eventually he, he told me, he's like, I think you're, it's time for you to do ayahuasca, you know? So uh, I think I credit my relationship with him. I mean, evolutionary Christianity was the last branch on the tree I hit on the way down. You know, yeah. <laughs> if evangelicalism was at the top, I was like, oh, I'm Anabaptist. I'm yeah. Catholic. I'm, yeah, I was just yeah. trying to find something like, I don't want to lose Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I've used the example before, like a, like a sandcastle of my faith, you know, and people, my critics were like, oh, he's just a rebellious, you know, he just wants to, you know, whatever, be a, some sort of biker dude and, <laughs> and, and cause division or whatever. Yeah. The truth was the ex- life experience and loving relationships was like the tide that came in and washed that castle away. Mm. And I was like laying in front of it like, no, yeah, I did not yeah. want to lose Jesus. I mean, I have my, la- my last high dose mushroom trip. I could feel this energy coming into the field and it was like this radiant light. You may have had a similar experience before, but it was on its way, you know, and I immediately recognized it as Christ, not as Jesus, but like Christ, oh, yes. that's Christ. And it's coming in. And as soon as I noticed it, I was like, no, I was like immediately like, I don't want to yeah. fucking do this with you, man. Yeah, yeah. Like, because, and then I just started weeping. Like, mm. I was just so sad. Like I could feel the grief that I tried for so long to be, to fit in Pentecostalism, you know, yeah. the tongues didn't work for me. You know, I had to fake it to make it. And, yeah. and, uh, Jesus never spoke to me like everybody else, you know? And, and so I felt like the JV Christian for so long. And mm. then to have him come in and this mushroom journey or to have the Christ energy come in. Yeah. I just wept. Like I, I, w- I so wish we could have been together. Like, yeah, yeah. like, this arranged marriage never took and our parents really wanted us to fall in love, but you know, yeah, yeah. it didn't really happen. What I have deep like? respect for Jesus, but yeah. 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 So really quick, maybe yeah. sign, like, yeah. can you talk about that a little Anything. bit? Which, which part about the, the engaging Christ in psychedelics? It, yeah. And, and how that, I don't know. Like that seems like the start of the story. How did that, <laughs> how did it end? Do yeah. You know? Well, first the, the process itself was just one of like deep, admiration because I have deep admiration for you know the 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 story the myth um and I don't mean that in the sense of true or not true. I don't fucking care Joseph if it's true Campbell or not. myth yeah. right like, yeah yeah I don't even whether it's true or not is irrelevant to me sure. it's in it's true in so far as I live it yes like, you know? it's true as long yeah. as the energy I give to it creates it to <laughs> exactly. be exactly if Christ isn't rising again in me then he's not risen at all yes um so you know, there's just grief, like so much respect. And, and I could, it was connected to like the little boy in me who wanted to make my parents proud. You know, my yeah. dad was my hero my whole life. He's a good man. He's a faithful, 
husband and a good dad and a respected man. He didn't fuck anybody over. He, he wasn't stealing money. You know, he's a good, yes. he's a good Christian, even though I don't share some of the metaphysical beliefs about the Bible or whatever. Right. And so there was a bit of my like little boy that was just like, I wish I could make my parents happy and be a Christian. And I yeah. just can't. And I didn't have any sense from the energy of Christ that there was anything bothersome or wrong about that. There was just this radiant, loving acceptance of like, there's no problem. Yeah. I just had to let go of the problem that I was holding mm. about it. This is a problem. And so it was deep healing and, and cleansing. But, uh, you know, just there was some nostalgia there. Like, that's my first language in, in, the, nat- you know, in the nature of spirit. Yeah. And, and I had to let go of it as part of my journey. And some people can come back. Yeah. And I, I, have, I don't have anything against Christianity per se any more than anything else that's been around for thousands of years. Anything right. that's been around for thousands of years has its shit. Yeah. Right? It's Absolutely. got some skeletons. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, Christianity has its own. So, but not for me. It's just I'm, I'm not interested anymore. And I don't, I believe all the core stuff that makes Christianity beautiful, I'm like, I'm down with. Yeah. And I just don't think you need Christianity for that. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like, I'm all for forgiveness. It transcends. Yeah. Christianity the, yeah. is not owned forgiveness, you know? Right. So, yeah, it was a beautiful experience. I don't know what else I'd say other than it's yeah. wordless and beyond language. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Just, I, I guess just in the relationship to Christ and, yeah. and what that actually means now and the different iterations that that's brought on for me, you know, cause mm. you speak about it being like, that's like my native tongue, no pun intended. Yeah. But, you know, like that's whenever I, I think about the word Holy Spirit or mm-hmm. Jesus or yeah. I think about some of these things like, they resonate with me in a particular, that's what I told course, people. I'm yeah. like, like, I love, I love reading about, you know, I love the Bhagavad Gita. You know, I read the Tao Te Ching. That's my scripture. I read in the morning. Like mm-hmm. I, I have the teachings of the Buddha and, and they, they do shape me and form me and impact me in, in crazy ways. But there's something like fundamental to me, maybe cause I'm a pastor's kid who grew up in America that just like, um, just so you know, that's definitely why. Yeah. 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 That's it. <laughs> And, and so it's like, but I guess I tried to avoid that so hard yeah. that then finally surrendering to it's okay that those terms resonate with me. Of course. In my being. Of course. And this is just you a natural know? part of growing up. I mean, we yeah. can take it out of the context of religion. This is just the, what we're describing is adolescence. You have to push off your parents. Yeah. And then later on, you're like, oh, I get it now. As yeah. an adult, you're like, good job, dad. I, I get what you, you know what I mean? We yeah. got to come back. And so this is just a natural part of individuation. It's not a problem. Right. Um, and that's just, the surrender piece of yeah. it all. Right. And like, to me, like, that's what not only is the whole spiritual experience about is about yielding and surrendering and participating mm-hmm. with divine and, and co-creation in whatever sort of weird dimension we exist in, Totally. you know, but like, it's also just about like in those moments of time of surrendering my trauma or things or like whenever I was with you know, Craig, the, one of the things that came up was about my dad and Christianity and him being a pastor. And yeah, yeah. And I sure. remember just weeping because I saw life through my dad's lens for a moment after I felt mm. like I felt so second of importance to him building this organization. You yeah. know, he didn't really have fully, full time to give his energy to me, you know, at, at the peak, whenever in my, in my core development years, when you have 4,000 people coming on a weekend yeah, and he's trying to wrangle together staff and do all this, like, yep, I'm second I in the car. That. He's, his mind's somewhere else, yeah. you know, like I, we even did like boys night out and stuff. And, and a lot of times it was like, 
you could tell he was just working through all the other shit that he was yeah. doing, but he know he wanted to be a good dad, you know? Yep. And, and I've, and that's what happened was the shift is like the pain of feeling like I was just something that he needed to do and facilitate like everything else. And then I was entered into his consciousness of like, he just wanted to be a good dad still while doing this calling that he had yep. and while trying to, be responsible for this organization and make sure they get paid for their kids too. Totally. And, and then I just like broke and just, I mean, I felt like there was a river, a river coming out of my eyes and filling the pillow behind me. Like, yeah. and it, it was a beautiful moment. But I feel that so deeply, bro. Like I remember yeah. one of the things I said on my first high dose mushroom trip was as soon as I let Jesus become human, so did my dad and mm. I could take them both off the cross. Dude. It was like, yeah. yeah, it's okay. He's he's yeah. just doing. He's just a guy. Yeah. And fucking a man, he's doing his best, just like everybody. Yeah. <laughs> Let him be. Yeah. <laughs> and we're all doing. Yeah. With what we have and yeah. with what we feel called to and whatever our convictions are and yeah. just trying to. Everybody is just in this mystery of existence. Totally. We, nobody really know how we got here. Which is <laughs> the poison of any idea of needing anyone to go to the cross for anyone else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? It's that savior complex is what makes us judge our leaders or worship them. Yes. And it's like, no, no, no. <laughs> this is a path and a practice to follow. The yeah. cross isn't, you know, at least my, well, the way I can still work with the crucifixion is that it's mine. It's yes. not Jesus's crucifixion. It's like, am I willing to go to it on my own yes to live what's mine like whether that's karma or you know just do what's mine to do here whether yes. that's forgiveness or what have you but it there's poison yeah. in someone does it for me yes you know and we do that so we can do it with jesus or we can do it to our dads <laughs> yeah dude that's so true man and and using that as an image that's one of the greatest shifts that i've used in the jesus narrative is like seeing it as mirror for, for my yeah. progression, for my journey, for yeah. what do I go to the cross about and yeah. Jesus, you know, dying on the cross to pay for the sins of the world. Well, how does he do that by us looking to that and being like, I'm reconciling my own, you know, fractured self, yeah. you know, and, and all of this and in the image of that, uh, how has it been on the idea of dads and pastors, kids, uh, we can start to wrap up, but I, I want to, ask how that's been with your relationship with your dad through all yeah. of this and yeah. the embracing of, of psychedelics and yeah. really not the association with, with Christianity. And, mm -hmm. and now you, you live close. Do you live close to him? Now? Yeah. He lives so, like 45 minutes South of here. Yeah. See, yeah. I live 2000 miles away from my dad. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, uh, and I used to like when like? all of it was going on, I was yeah. right there, but, um, so it wasn't until I left really that I was closer, but yeah, I mean the, the headline is my dad's been amazing. And both my parents have, have, chosen relationship over mm. like making this the deal breaker. That's not to say we haven't had our disagreements and arguments. Yeah. Um, uh, but we're always prioritizing our relationship is the most important thing here. So, yeah, but I remember I went, I did a, uh, I did a vision quest in the Anza Borrego desert out East here in yeah. 2018. And my parents, I flew down from Seattle. I just beat cancer. They drove me out there. I did 14 days in the wilderness and, um, and after the fast and all the uh, solitary time, they picked me up and, uh, we took a walk on the beach before I went to the airport and I got to have what, what I think was a really important conversation with them. I'm like, Hey, I don't want you guys to be afraid that I'm going to hell mm. and I hope I don't want to cause you pain, 
but I just want to like name this. Mm. There's something different. And they, they were like, and we'd already had years of beautiful, loving relationship. And of course my, me going through cancer was helpful for our relationship, frankly. Yeah. Um, but they were like, no, we're not worried about that. And I was like, well, that's good. I'm so glad to hear that. But you just have to, can we name that something's changed? Mm. Because I don't believe any of the shit I grew up hearing I had to, to go to heaven. Mm. So while I'm relieved, do you see you changing? Mm. And if so, that could be pretty liberating people you lead. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> You know what I mean? Probably yeah, yeah. not to a lot of people. Like, trust me, I know yeah. what it's like to say really open, universal, beautiful truths to people who don't want to hear them. Yeah, but, yeah. But, um, but they're already going to heaven, so fuck them. Right, yeah. <laughs> right? They're, they're good. They're the only ones who are really going. Um, and that's, I think, still where there's, uh, what I can still feel in our relationship is there's some kind of, we can't get in too much further. We're, we're, we're loving, we're caring, we have a good relationship. And it, there's sort of like this invisible wall. And I feel like it's related in some way to, you know, that part of it. Like there's, I'm out there in, mm. and the fundamental reason to be in an evangelical Christianity is this is a heaven hell dynamic. Right. And so it's hard for me, um, you know, what I want is I want them to, acknowledge that they I mean clearly their theology is incredibly universal yeah and that would be really healing to people who are hurting yeah you know who are like oh they're like you know what it's we've met tons of people I'm sure between the two of us yeah who are they're deconstructing and they're fucking terrified they're going to hell because yes. they can't stop the process right and I'm like those people are fucking hurting man yes. you know people who are like we're rooted in the word so I'm sad about your apostasy you don't right. have to worry about them they right. know yeah. they're in <laughs> yeah. like I said so <laughs> Anyway, as far as the relationship goes, like, I'm hopeful that we can keep going. And I've been trying to get them to do drugs with me. Yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah. think it's going to happen. <laughs> but I would love to do, like, a family MDMA ceremony and, like, yeah. you know, drop into our hearts and be like, dude, I fucking love you. And who knows what happens after this? Yeah, like, yeah. I don't want those ideas to be barriers to where we're at. Because sometimes I, wor- I wonder, I worry that I'm scary. Yeah. Like, I'm a sca- I represent something scary. Like. Right. Like, I don't need Jesus. And yeah. like, that's a, whether I mean it that way or not, I can understand how that's a critique of their whole lives. Yeah. And I don't yes. want to be that. I don't want to be that. What I want is for them to be at peace. I don't want them to be worried about me or anybody else. Right. Right. Like, that's not going to For me, it's us. like the, the hard thing is like my, speak about my dad a lot or whatever, but it's like, he's so attached to, like you said, they, I've given my life. Like he tells me, he's like, I've given my life to this. Right. I believe in this. Right. This is this is the foundation piece. This right. is what I'm calling people to yeah. for liberation and, and right. wholeness, you know. Right. And so to even project the idea at all in a conversation yeah. that it's not that like our first real like knuckle to knuckle fight was I just simply said we were having a conversation about something. I said, uh, yeah, penal substitutionary atonement theory. Uh-huh. And it was like theory. Yeah, it's not a theory. I'm like, well, if you read any systematic theology, it, it has the word theory. <laughs> it's not a theory, you know. And yeah. whenever that identity Oof. is so mm. attached to yep. the blood of Jesus is the only thing that cleanses you and makes you righteous before totally. God. The same conversation I've had with my dad about. You know? Yeah, it, it, it's like it's like 
any any argument that I have, it's null and void because it doesn't include yeah. the the sacrifice of Jesus. To well, cover because me, the f- whole know? floor falls out. Right. Of the whole thing. The whole thing rides on. And that's part of the thing that you go through as a death as an evangelical is once you realize you're not this, you're not the hope of the world. <laughs> right. You and your group. Yeah. It's like, welcome to the group. You're right. part yeah. of it all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're yeah. just one of us now. <laughs> right. And you're like, oh, I liked being prom queen. You know, yeah, I was yeah. so special before. Exactly. <laughs> so there's a little bit of this like attitude that's like, oh, shit, I used to be really important in high school. And now I'm just a right. per- regular person in the workforce. So, uh, <laughs> I can't but, be a missionary now. Yeah, you know. totally. <laughs> I, I've had this, a similar conversation in the sense of like where, where the, my dad drew the line where he's like, well, this is where we differ. You know, you don't think Jesus is necessary. And I do. I think Jesus is necessary. Like you, if you don't think he matters and I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. That's different. Those are different things. Yes. Don't conflate those two. I think Jesus matters. Yeah. But in the same way that an, a young African-American two-year-old doesn't have a concept of what Martin Luther King accomplished in his life, that doesn't mean that child won't still live in the redemptive wash of the life of Martin Luther King. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So, yeah. and that's just about awareness. But let's say that child grows up to n- decide to not even give a shit about right. learning about his own um, tribal history, in, in a sense, or not tribal, but racial history. Sure. Um, still, that child will live in the redemptive flow of the work of Martin Luther King. So uh, to me, I'm like, Jesus matters because the the story at least has changed the earth. Yeah. It's shaped it in a way. Yes. But what I, what I have to say is that, yeah, no, I don't think it's, he's necessary in a particular theological framework. And so that seems to be, that's my guess that that contributes to our relationship can only go so far because this is their whole life. Like right. what do we talk about? Right. I want to talk about psychedelics and universal love yeah. and the fact that reincarnation makes more sense to me now than, yeah. you know, going to heaven or hell. Right. And they don't want to talk about that. No, dude. <laughs> and I don't want to talk about how many new believers, you know, right. checked a box on Sunday because I'm like, well, I don't even, what does that even mean? You know, that's helpful right. for the giving letter at the end of the year. I know we write that in to yeah. get the giving pumped up. Got to so, have the ROI, man. Yeah, man. I've been behind the scenes. I know what goes on in those of green rooms. Of course you do, man. Yeah. I, and that's the thing. We've grown up with that. Yeah, I like, watch the bullshit of the worship teams and all the, you know, so. Yeah. All that stuff. Like, uh, it's just, so. Yeah, anyway. and, and, you know, where I'm at now <laughs> is, like, I don't want to. But there's something that, like, maybe just because I'm just a feeler. I don't know. But I have a hard time not hearing my dad out on those things and like being like, man, that's so great. Like he's all, Oh, totally. He has this and not that, that you wouldn't be, but it's like at one point where he would bring things up and I'd be like, just in my heart, just friction. Yeah. Just like, I just don't. And especially cause he still puts the pressure on for me to come back and take over this church, you know? Oh, wow. Like even we were there for Christmas a couple weeks, a few weeks ago Ooh. and he's still like putting the heat on, you know, okay. it's time to come home and, and we need your help here. You know, he's still just, I mean, driving yeah. that yeah. home. Well, what a great testimony it'll be that you came back into the faith. Yeah, right? I know, exactly. And he loves a good backslidden testimony. That's right, <laughs> man. I'm just adding the colors, you know, <laughs> to, to make it more. You need all the colors to paint the canvas to your congregation. That's right, you know? man. You're just building your testimony right now. That's all. That's it. You know, the devil will loosen his grips one of these days. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I just have a just such a heart of compassion now for all things. And I think, if anything, like, you know, the psychedelic experience just opens you up to the softness of like using the color analogy. It's like all such beautiful colors in their own way. And there's people there that 
I was whenever I went to church there and my sister spoke, you know, and people are touched and it's yeah. like it's like, well, okay, people are people are whatever wherever they're at on their journey, this is where they are and they're experiencing some level of of wholeness within them. This is facilitating the space for that. This is the niche for them. Beautiful. Yeah. And and, and that's yeah. and that would be like the great way to end the podcast because it's like you know, it's not confrontational or whatever, but I, yeah. I, I want to respond to that by saying I totally <laughs> agree with you and, and I could be totally wrong on this. This is where my whole like psychedelic experience of oneness like s- clashes against something in me that's fundamentally like Judeo-Christian in the sense of like history's headed somewhere. Yeah. I mean that in that sense. Like there's some shit's fucking bullshit. Yeah. You know right. what I mean? Yes. Like I like that people are getting hope and like they're finding community and all that stuff. Yeah, but the gay kids are growing up being told that they're bad. That's true. And that's fucking bullshit. That and that's true. child abuse. Like I grew up terrified my kids my my friends were going to hell. I don't I'm sorry, man. I think yeah. people were doing their best, but that's fucking child abuse, man. I was I, yeah. freaking out. I was weeping to the, uh, deep into my adulthood. Like on yeah, Sunday yeah, mornings, yeah. I would go into the church and pray over every single chair before the Sunday services before I went up and spoke. And I'm just like, I everything was about how many people can come to the Lord. And as yeah. soon as that that started to break down for me, I'm like, why do I care more than God, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um <laughs> yeah. But I just want to point out that like, yes, I want to be that. Like I have compassion for everything, but at least I'm still struggling with is the world fundamentally perfect and there's no problems like at that one layer of right. reality that you touch in 5-MeO DMT. Yes, I get that. But also on this layer, there's like fucking bullshit. And yes. a lot of it's connected to evangelical Christianity. Yeah. Racism and bigotry and white supremacy and, uh, you know, LGBT exclusivity and just the exclusivity of religion itself. Right. We're right, they're wrong. We're yes. in, they're out. So, yeah. I know that fucks up a great ending. No, please. <laughs> no, and I think it's great because I have that dichotomy within myself too. I think what I've just had to, at least for my own sanity, uh, not hold that as uh, deep in my heart or yeah. else I literally live in friction. Right, as a motivating energy. Yes, yes and I don't want sure. it to be a motivator. I yeah, want it, yeah, yeah. It's something that has to be Sturdy in my fuel. awareness. And it's something that I'm, I'm going to, to bring up. I mean, you know, because by nature, I, you know, I know I'm pretty relaxed for the most part, but like, I also, you know, I'm a Scorpio too. So <laughs> yeah. like, I love to sting shit as well. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I'm a Scorpio rising. So you are. Yeah. Okay. So my cancer rising helps a little oh, bit. It's funny. So. I'm a cancer son. No way. Yeah. There we go. Wow, dude. We're just like, no wonder. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So What's funny. your moon? <laughs> uh, Aquarius. Okay. Uh, Capricorn moon. Okay. So. Uh, but yeah, which I love all that. Yeah. I, I'll nerd out on that. But yeah, I if, if, I, years, if I, I live in that place, I'm always uh, seeking to sting. And, yeah. and I have to, what I've had, to, I've lived in that place for so long that I realize that it's helpful to me yeah. to have that and to incorporate that. Or like yeah. this past summer, my anger, like my grandma, she's, she's half Hispanic. Yeah. She grew up in Texas, born in Texas, grew up in Texas. And she's always talked about how she was discriminated against as a half breed and, and all of these things and, you mm. know, and, and all this stuff. And she used to pick cotton with black people like on their family's farm. My mm-hmm. great grandpa was a produce person, you know, whatever. But she still has this very racist mentality, even though she's been the victim of it as well. Mm. And like after the George Floyd thing, I went back to Indiana to visit and, and she started ranting off some racist shit. And I told her, get the fuck out of here, you know, and like. Totally. She's not a normal grandma. She's like smokes a lot of weed grandma mm-hmm. and you know, all this stuff. And 
loves to brag about how she was a go-go dancer and show all my friends her pictures half naked in the 60s but that's another podcast (laughs) uh my point is is that like that stuff is real and i'm i'm able willing and loved and we reconciled in a big way because two weeks later i had a psilocybin journey where i'm like everything is coming together (laughs) you know it's okay that was like the start of my not being driven by friction yeah i think that's you know a a helpful perspective for sure and and i hope I, i hope what i'm not saying is that if if you think you're right you're bad because that's actually the that's it's inescapable because yeah. as soon as you think you're wrong, you change your mind and you're right again. So we're always thinking we're right. right. That's not the problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What I am saying is it's in the inherent idea that because you're wrong, my God is going to kill you right. and you're deserving of that. That can get uh, weaponized. Yes. And all you have yes. to do is flip through an encyclopedia to learn about world history and how we have weaponized those kinds of religious ideas to the detriment and genocide of whole people groups. Yes. And so I just wanted to make that clarifier. I'm not saying that thinking you're right is inherently problem. Uh, it's it's part of being human. Right. But it's thinking about the yeah. other. You're wrong and you deserve punishment. Yes. Holy punishment. Dude, we're on the same page, man. <laughs> we're on the same page. Yeah. And that's what this stuff's fun to do is to talk about things and to get it out there and, yeah. and hash through it. Yeah, well, it was fun, man. Thank and you I appreciate me. you uh, spending some time this morning yeah. chatting with me here at the beach, dude. Sweating out in the, in the sun here. I know, man. I'm hot <laughs> as shit. <laughs> All right. Too. Time to split, man. Thank you All very right. much.